Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that all is well with you. I hope that everything in your life is as peaceful and as beautiful as it can be in these times. And I was out in the garden today especially time is something that is fascinating, I think, for each of us. And I was looking at all of the leaves and the garden and how everything has its place and its season. And I was a little sad, I have to say, with all the leaves that had fallen. And I thought, well, you know, this is life. In all of our lives, there comes a time when it's different doesn't mean that it's bad or good. It's just different. And we have to accept those moments in our life that, you know, the great divine bestows upon us because each and every single one of us has a reason for being on this planet. We have a role to play in this great theater called life. And if we can find people that are like-minded like-hearted, it makes the journey so much easier. So let us embrace that change and beautiful moments that are waiting for us. I am so very happy to welcome my guest today, who is the wonderfully inspiring Lisa Azami. Lisa is an artist, journalist, and the founder of Ravenous Butterflies. What an amazing name. As well as being an influencer and art advisor to Coots, she is the founding member of the South London Arts Lab and the Moon magazine. Lisa was born in Sri Lanka and came to the UK when she was a young girl. Having always been positive, but with her creative being stifled and her health suffering, she began to have an eventful journey of self-discovery. It was at this time that the Ravenous Butterflies Facebook page was born. It grew out of the realisation that following one's truth and passion is the best healing tonic there is. With a loyal following of over 700,000 people, Ravenous Butterflies has grown organically into a thriving ecosystem. Lisa is currently writing a volume of poetry and collaborating on a children's picture book. Today, she shares her wonderfully inspiring life journey. 
Welcome, dear Lisa. Thank you so much, Mimi. It's so kind of you to have me here. I'm very excited to be here, to be honest. Thank you. Oh, oh thank you, Lisa. I'm actually very honoured for you to be here. And, you know, we've had me and Lisa, I have to say to the listeners, we have tried so hard to get this organised. And I'm convinced that Lisa is some sort of Indiana Jones in secret <laughs> because she's always got an adventure going on. But here we are. And really, truly welcome. Thank you. No, it's a delight <laughs> to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, how are you? Yeah, very well, actually. Thanks. Yes. No, it's been a very, very busy time, but lots of exciting projects and lots of exciting plates flying around the air. Um, with a bit of magic sparkle dust thrown in for good measure. So, yeah, no, it's all good. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's excellent. Now, before we begin on this journey of yours, tell us a little bit about how your life in this beautiful, ravenous butterfly world began. Because I know that as a child, you grew up in, is it Ceylon? It was Ceylon, yeah, when it was, yes, and then it became Sri Lanka, yeah, later on as it became independent, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so tell us a little bit about your life before, you know, this moment here in time. Well, it's been an interesting one. I think um, I've always kind of been a bit of an outsider. Um, I, I was born in Sri Lanka in Colombo, and I lived there until I was, I don't know, a young girl, probably about five um, my father was a tea taster, so I grew up around tea. So kind of like barefoot Indian Ocean girl, it was very different to all the people that I met when I came to England. And coming to England was a real shock. Um, I went, we went literally, I mean, we went to East Africa, to Malawi for about six months before we came to England. And we ended up in East Sussex in the home counties where mm -hmm. we rented, my parents rented a house and then in Surrey. So I kind of grew up in Surrey really. Um, and I always felt like I never really fitted into anywhere and I always felt like I was different and I don't know I was always very creative and I loved being outside and I loved um, and I loved being in my room kind of drawing listening to music and painting and, and reading and things like that but and I always love people I think I'm really I think I'm well I'm extremely fascinated by people and I'm always wanting to know about their backgrounds where do they come from what do they do why have they got that accent why do they look like that who's their mum and dad what you know their life story I've been really fascinated by people all my life um and and very very creative but also felt like I was not really seen for who I was I was always a big girl when I was growing up and back in the kind of early 70s as you might know um it was quite good to be like twiggy and stuff so I always felt like I was never really the, the pretty one or whatever so I made up for that with my sense of humor my creativity and my brain really I suppose um so uh so yeah so it's up but yeah I never felt like I was you know kind of one of the the beautiful girls but I was always kind of the kind of leader of the gang because I had that personality that made me carry that through if you like and you know mm. kind of I, I had to use my I had to use my my kind of my nous rather than my looks I suppose to um to, to get what I wanted and be where I wanted to be but not in a devious way in a sort of natural way because I've always felt that kindness and truth are the most important things and love and um that's always been my um, you know passion for, for for what you're interested in that's always kind of been my mantra but not massively understood and um I come from a very sort of you know I mean my brother's extremely successful you know very British kind of background and um, and I was always looking and seeking the more exotic and the more interesting and so I met my husband when I was 17 he was he's Iranian 
um, we got divorced recently, um, thankfully. Um, but um, he, I think I was looking, I was seeking the kind of exotic in, in other things. And I, and I always kind of thought that I could fix people and that you could never do that. Um, so I, it took me a long time to learn to value myself and a long time to realize that actually um, I am loving yourself is probably the most important thing. You can't love and fix other people until you fix yourself and love yourself. So it's been a long, long, hard lesson. And um, so I suppose that's kind of, you know, my background, really. I went to art college um, because I, I found myself really kind of like, you know, push myself into painting and drawing and, and, and kind of, you know, all sorts of different types of art. So I went to Goldsmiths and I graduated in 1988 with um, the Young British Artists Group. You know, Damien Hirst was, was a contemporary of mine, people like that. But I always felt again that that, you know, I was always on this quest for beauty. I never, I never, I was never into that kind of raw um, brutality of, of that kind of art world that was happening at that time. I've always been a very, you know, an aesthetic per person that's kind of yeah. been on this quest for beauty. And I think that beauty really can change the world. And that might sound very simple and very naive, but what we've been through in the last couple of years with, you know, with all of this lockdown and people being isolated and lonely. I mean, I, I really do think that if people put themselves into a place of beauty by by just just taking that deep breath and and having that sense of awe about what they're looking at or what they're reading or what they're listening to, if it's music or if it's a podcast or if it's nature, if they're out in nature and connecting with that inner being within themselves. And I, that to me is the core of everything. And it's taken me 56 years to realize that, you know, pretty much. Um, so that's kind of where then that's kind of like the seed, I suppose. That's my background, really. Um, so, yeah, I always felt like I was different, that I was sort of not really seen by the people around me. I was probably a bit of a fish out of water. I was I was kind of a rebel without a cause, but not a rebel in a bad way, a rebel in a, I don't understand what you're talking about way and you just don't get me. And that, mm -hmm. was, that wasn't because I was doing anything odd or different or bad. It's because I just wasn't in the right fishbowl. You know. Yes. And this quest for this unusual and the exotic, is that something, Lisa, that began from a very early age, would you say? Absolutely. I mean, I always felt um, my earliest memories of being in the salon in Sri Lanka, you know, with no you know, barefoot. I always felt like I the flowers and the plants and the sky and the sounds and the smells and everything. I always felt like, like I sort of merged into them. And I always felt like I was this kind of being that was not really, was so super connected to everything around me, but not connected to the world of sort of machinery and, you know, man-made noise and things like that. I was really, really um, a free spirit. And I didn't really, and I had a nanny. I, I mean, I was, you know, my parents were, you know, they were working in a tea, mum, my dad was working with tea and everything. So... It was very normal in that in those days, and still probably now. You know, had a driver, you had a you had a nanny, you had a a cook, and everything. Even though they didn't get paid much at all, you know, and we lived in yeah. a factory in a in the tea factory in this big apartment, but we had all of this kind of like all of these staff and everything. So I never, I didn't really see that much with my parents. Um, but I learned to sort of swim when I was eighteen months, you know, because we used to go to the to the swimming club every afternoon because it was so hot, and and I can just remember in my bedroom, you know, everything was just the noise of all the bugs and the ceiling fan and everything was hot and sticky and 
the smells were so rich and pungent and and I just and I really remember sort of feeling like I was actually part of all of that so when I came back to England and it was snowing and it was really cold and all the houses were very close together and there wasn't anything colorful and it was gray and it was white and it was so weird you know I just felt so it was and I didn't see my eye I didn't see my nanny anymore so it was like I had this person that was literally sleeping in the room next door to me with no doors kind of I didn't see her again and we never wrote to her my it was like a normal thing my parents you know there was like I'd lost basically effectively lost the closest person to me at that time and and I just felt like I was I was always in I was always looking for for that love and for that affirmation that I I it was hard for me to find in my life you know and do you feel that you have found that now yes in myself yes mm-hmm. In yeah. myself, yes, and in my children, yes, but it's been a very, very painful and very long journey, and um, it's been it's been very, very hard. You know, um, I had this idea in my mind when I was younger. You know, like we probably a lot of us do, teenager, growing up, twenties, whatever. You know, oh, I'm going to have this amazing life. I'm going to have my house with my kids and my husband or whatever, and da 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 da. And actually, um, I did have that, you know, and I did have lots of stuff, but there was a lot of um, a lot of damage that came with that. You know, I mean, I I was um, I was very, very overweight by the time I was um, in my mid 20s. We moved to New York. I moved Well, with my husband's job, moved to New York and um, in the kind of mid 90s. And I just got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where. Um, and I was trying to have uh, children and I ended up having my first son when we were there. Um, but I mean, I think I was something like 32 stone, you know, um, a year or so after he was born. And I was, you know, sort of like sleep apnea and all sorts of things, crashed my car driving up the I-95, you know, because I fell asleep at the wheel, you know, things like that. Mm. And, um, and, you know, morbidly obese. So um, I was very fortunate that I met a surgeon and I had gastric bypass surgery. Um, so when I was about, I think that was when I was about 30 or 32. Well, it was in, it was, when was it? 2000, no, about 2000. And I lost half my body weight. And um, I lost half my body weight. And, and I remember thinking, because I was so huge, it was because that was the reason that my husband wasn't interested in me and, and things. And, um, but, you know, even though after I'd lost half my body weight, that wasn't, that wasn't the case. It was just because he wasn't interested in me. And, mm. um, and it wasn't because he was interested in anybody else. You know, he was busy doing what he was doing on his kind of singular linear journey. And, and, you know, I've got nothing, I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but I would say that he was the wrong person for me. And, um, and it really, it really didn't help um my situation feeling like I was invisible so I suppose I kind of ate to I don't know to become more invisible even though I got bigger and I was more visible you know um so I was in a wheelchair for a while I was on crutches I couldn't walk um I we came back to London after 9-11 and um he was supposed to be in 9-11 but I found out I was pregnant the night before 9-11 and he didn't go to the meeting on the 101st floor so he was one of two people that didn't die in that room um my goodness yeah so Caspian my second son was born he's Caspian Sarouche which is messenger angel his middle name what a um, fantastic name yeah Caspian Sarouche yeah he's he's yeah and Oli B is my first one Oliver Bijan and Caspian Sarouche 
and um yeah and so i mean it's been quite an eventful life so so that happened and then we came back to england and then um i was pregnant again very quickly with anusha um my daughter who is nearly 18 and but i was very unhappy i mean i was all obviously very unhappy when i was very overweight so i was hoping that you know, like a lot of people that the children will fix things and that i was very loyal and my parents had been divorced i didn't want to get divorced that was the last thing i wanted to do so I kind of carried on and um, then I realized that this wasn't going to work. And I, in the kind of like 2010, 11, I thought, well, I'll get divorced. And I felt so bad about it. And we did marriage guidance counseling. And then I realized that um, that wasn't going to work because leopards don't change their spots unless they really want to. And I mm-hmm. had um, analytical psychotherapy and that was amazing. I had that for about 10 years, but Literally 2013, I was separated from my husband, but he refused to move out of the house. So that was a nightmare. Um, And so I carried on. He was away working abroad a lot. So I carried on with the children and carried on with my life. And it was around 2013 that I got involved, started Ravenous Butterflies. And um, I can remember in about 2011, a girlfriend of mine said, because I'd started writing poetry and trying to express myself creatively, having been sort of held down a lot by by this kind of Iranian controlling man, you know, um, being telling me that I couldn't do this and I was rubbish at that. And, and it made me believe I was all my life, but actually I wasn't. And, um, and I realized that there was a whole world out there of creative spirited women, people like me who had been probably experienced similar, similar situations in the, the coercive control and the feeling, you know, lacking of self-worth and things like that. Um, and I thought, right, well, I'm going to um, I'm going to look to the thing that I really love, which is the thing that makes me feel really um, me, makes me feel who I am, makes me actually be in the moment. And that is art. And so I started going to a lot of exhibitions here and doing a lot of, um, you know, doing going to the opera, going to music, going to the cinema and things like that. And um and I realized that for me, my art is the way that I can express myself and I can express myself through literature and art. And I started writing myself and and I started um, Ravenous Butterflies. And Ravenous Butterflies is, has never been commercial. I mean, I've never I've never asked for any money. I've never spent any any money on it. It's only in the last month that I've opened a little shop and I've got this website together because people have been asking for a book. And um, and I started Ravenous Butterflies and there were probably there's probably 100 people or something. And we had one or two viral posts and it was 5000 or 4000. I can remember saying to my mum, God, mum, you know, I can't believe that I've got like another 2000 followers this week. You know, how does that happen? And it just yeah. it kept kind of growing from there. And, and I realized that I wasn't the only person out there. I wasn't the only person that was searching for 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 or inspiring inspiration you know i i and everything everything i've posted has been completely true to me it's been absolutely about how i feel at that moment in time it's never been prescriptive i've never thought oh what will my followers like i've just thought i've woken up and i thought right i'm gonna i'm gonna do something about autumn leaves or i'm gonna do something you know i'm gonna find some stuff about you know about women feeling good about themselves or i'm gonna do whatever and um, and that's what I do. I, I, I sort of try and put myself in the mindset of, OK, if I open that page this morning, what would I want to see? And I've always done that. So it's it's always just been very, very honest and, and very, very passionate. And, and and it's grown. And I'm really, really shocked, to be honest with you. I mean, I I never thought that um, that it would, because 
um, because I didn't, because it's just it was just done purely for my own well-being. I, it's my form of therapy, really, if you think. Yeah. If, you know, if, I, if I'm honest, yeah. But it is beautiful, I have to say. The images and the words and everything about it is really about beauty. It does sort of sing beauty, everything about it. And in this world of ours, it seems the beauty is a little bit, you know, they say, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, of course, but there isn't that, I don't know, let's say like the Italian architecture, for example, mm -hmm. when you go to Venice and you see this beauty unfold before you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you go to Spain, to Granada, and you see all these buildings, and, you know, if you go to Uzbekistan and, you know, you see all these sort of mosques and temples, mm -hmm. and, you know, it is not in a way, how can I say, it is not appreciated. So, your page and ravenous butterflies, Lisa, is something that really brings that beauty back to people, I have to say. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I it's odd because I was I was down in East Sussex this morning and I was with my father and my stepmother, and I I don't think they really understand what I do. So I my dad went off to play golf, you know, like you do when you've retired. And um my, I said to my stepmom, look, have a look at this. This is this book that I'm putting together at the moment for the followers of Ravenous Butterflies and have a look at this and have a look at that. And I was showing her the sample of the, the amazing designer of mine, Amelia Costley, who's been designing this book that we've been putting together. And I actually started to be quite tearful because I thought this is just so beautiful. When you look at it from a um, an outsider's point of view, I find it very moving and it's very, it's just, and I think, well, you know, if I was in a desperate situation, which I have been, I mean, believe me, I've been really, you know, I mean, I've never been somebody who's ever got depressed. I've always been, you know, the cup's half full and there's always a way out of this, you know, um, mm. and determined and everything. But, um, but you know, if I was sitting on my own in the middle of, I don't know, nowhere with nobody around me and I, and I opened up my page or I opened up that book that I'm, that I'm putting together, it would bring me so much kind of con you know just give me so much comfort and it would really i think it would it's just the thing i think the endorphins the the, the sort of the, the the oxytocin or whatever it is that gets released in your system when you see something that is awe inspiringly beautiful um whether it's on your phone on an app on the screen in a book outside in a gallery whatever it's so good for the soul it's just such good soul food and in the best possible way and i think that um, it's not asking anything from you other than to open up your heart and to open up your body and your mind and to let go and release everything that you've held on to, which has made you, you know, unhappy because, you know, desperate because your husband's died or, you know, you've lost a great loved one or, you know, you feel bad about yourself or your body image or whatever it is. And to look at something that is rejoicing in, you know, a plumper woman or, you know, or, or giving you hope. Um, it, it is just just like bathing yourself in kind of ecstasy, really. It's like immersing yourself into a bath of beauty and it just washes away all of that human detritus, which so many of us hold on to for so long. And I think it's so important. And the more I've done it, the more I've realised how desperate people are for that. It's very true. It's very, very true. And people are 
desperate for it, Lisa. And somehow they don't even realize that they're desperate for it until they pick up a book such as this and it reminds them. And it's these reminders that are needed by every single one of us along this path of life to see that beauty, to feel the beauty and to actually rejoice in this beauty that is us. Yeah. We forget we are so beautiful. Yep. And especially somebody like me, who's a larger, more voluptuous woman. Um, And it's only since I left my husband and I've had, you know, a couple of relationships which, you know, which which have been brilliant in their own way. But I mean, I think you can only really live your life fully if you if you love yourself and if you believe you're beautiful. And I mean, beautiful doesn't I mean, I'm not talking in a vain way. I'm talking as in, you know, beautiful soul, beautiful being, you know, Mm. and and I think that radiates out. And I think it attracts, you know, like attracts like and okay, you can dark attracts light and all those things. But hopefully by the time you've got to my age and you've gone through what I've been through, you can kind of like filter those dark, dark things out. Mm. Um, But I do think that um, I do think that part of the success of ravenous butterflies is that it is it's all things for all people and everybody can find something there which they connect with and it's not asking anything from anybody it's not political it's not religious i stick i stay away from all of those you know controversial subjects mm-hmm. it is purely an immersion of a beautiful aesthetic which you can become part of and it's a fantastic wellness tonic you know it's brilliant it's done it's done wonders for so many people and i'm really really i'm really proud of that you know i really am and so you should be, because it's really like a magical book. Hmm. It's somewhere where you can sort of open the door. I think every posting that, you know, that I've seen, it's like a door into another world. Yeah. For that glimpse of a moment, it takes you away from your life, as you know it, and into something completely different that can really open up your heart and soul and mind as well yeah which is a powerful tool well I think so and I think it gives people space to be themselves and to express themselves so in this little mini planet of ravenous butterflies that we've created you know I've created people can you know they've probably met loads of friends on there they talk to each other they support each other I get messages from people um you know saying you know all sorts of things. You know, if it hadn't have been for Ravenous Butterflies, I wouldn't have been able to have survived lockdown. You know, you're the only reason I'm on Facebook. You know, all of that kind of thing. Um, and and I think that it's... And I mean, I'm not the best... I'm not a massive supporter of Facebook, but I think that for a lot of people, it's a fantastic gateway to not... I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff, but it's a fantastic fantastic gateway um, to, um, to connecting with like-minded people, definitely, and seeing something that's out there that they might not have access to wherever they live, if they live in the middle of the Midwest or they live in the middle of Nairobi or wherever it is, you know, they might not have access to all that beautiful art, you know. And what are you doing, Lisa? How is the book going to look? Is it, it's uh, exactly the same as your Facebook with quotes and photographs or how is it going to be? Well, it's beautifully um, curated, um, lovely linen bound, um, sort of, you know, embossed book coffee mm-hmm. table um book um and it's going to have a selection of our our most some of our most popular images and quotes um and there's going to be a space in it for people to write personal notes in the back 
um, and it's going to have you know a really good glossary of where all the pieces of art are so if people want to go and see them or find out more about them it's going to be kind of educational but I mean primarily it's just going to be very very beautiful but it's also going to be quite educational as well and you know beautiful paper I mean it's just it's going to be a lovely thing so it will be a love it will be you know gorgeous to give as a gift or um uh to keep yourself by the bed or whatever you know um what a beautiful idea well we're also bringing it <laughs> thank you we're all, well I mean it's only because people keep pestering me to do it and I just thought oh, I better do it then um, and and then I'm also bringing out, we're also going to do some very small little pocket-sized books on things like friendship and loss and, you know, love. Oh, they're very handy to have, yeah. yes. So little little books that people can put in their handbag or give to a friend or send in the, a, mm. a card or something um, as a little sort of, you know, token of of love or appreciation and so we're putting putting those together as well so yeah it's, it's exciting and it, this is an anthology so it's going to be coming out um every, there's going to be a new one every, every year um mm -hmm. and um something that people can collect and it's just i think it's just a really lovely thing you know it's yeah i'm, I'm yeah it's exciting i think it's beautiful and you know i wish you all the best with that Thank because you. it's really so needed so so needed to have gentle reminders in our daily life of things that are important that, you know, we can actually forget. And in forgetting, we also sadly can forget who we are. No, I absolutely mean, I, I totally agree. And also with all of this nonsense going on with the American elections and COVID and 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 Brexit and all the negativity that we get fed through the news and, mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff that we enter our kind of peripheral vision or are in or you know constantly in our living room or whatever. I think it's really important to counterbalance that with 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 another reality. And this is real too. You can go and visit these paintings. You can go and step into a museum now. You can go online and visit a gallery and do a virtual tour. You can be immersed in in awe inspiring beautiful works of art, which really is what keeps civilization pumping along. You know, we'll forget about the prime ministers, but we'll still have all that artwork and all those buildings and all the literature and all that music. You know, that's what civilization is and that's what's important. It's very true. It's very true. And it is a journey of self-discovery, really, when you think about it. Because when you look at beautiful things and when you discover such wonderful works of art, for example, or literature, it is a journeying back to oneself. Now, what was that key moment for you, Lisa, that I suppose inspired you to start that journey back to yourself? Well, I mean, it's a very per it's been a very personal journey because I I knew that I, I mean I you know when my children were young and my eldest is 24, my youngest is almost 18. Um, but when they were young, I sort of I I, I stopped working because my eldest son was autistic, and I felt that I needed to help him as much as I could. Um, I mean, he's brilliant. He's an artist. He graduated from Central St Martins. He's just had a solo exhibition in New York, which he sold very well. I mean, he's he was born in the states, so he can he can go backwards and forwards. So it's great. But I real I knew that I had to kind of devote some time to them, and and I think that the thing that really made me realize that I had to change was when I was baking and making brownies and lasagna for the entire school Christmas parties and things like that. And I just thought, you know what? I'm worth more than this. I'm done. I've had three children. I can't do this anymore. I've got to do something for me. I've got to get back to me. I've got to 
absolutely find the core meaning of me. And um, and I started doing going to the um, in South Kensington and and in um, at the time it was in uh, Grosvenor Square, not Grosvenor Square, uh, Burlington Square or wherever they the spiritual um, society and association stuff. So I started doing mediumship and which I've always been connected to kind of that and mm -hmm. so I started doing that and I started I did a sort of course in in healing and um I became a, a, a Reiki master and things like that and that really opened me up to um everything else that I had lost any kind of connection with because I'd been so kind of put down for a couple of decades I felt that I hadn't been able to spread my wings and be free and also losing all that weight and being in a wheelchair and having both my knees replaced and learning to walk again kind of made me realize I had to run to catch up and if I mm. you know if I didn't actually do what I really was here to do then it would be too late and I kind of died on the after I had my operation and they had to intubate me and bring me back and all those sorts of things make you realize that actually life is really short and um and in 2019 i lost my best friend to breast cancer which was she had it for five years which was absolutely horrific and that was the year that um we well i moved just before lockdown to my rental house which i'm renting at the moment sold the big family house and um i'm just kind of like here because i want to get my daughter through school and then i've got to decide what i'm going to buy somewhere and i just realized that life's too short i lost pandora um, you know, lots of stuff happened. Um, you know, the house fell through four times. My husband came back, back and moved back into the house. It was a nightmare. Then lockdown happened and I moved into my own house with my own front door key, which I'd never had in my life. And I was 55 with, I'd never had my own front door key. I'd moved from my parents mm. with my boyfriend. Then he became my husband. And, and it was like, I, I felt like I was actually on holiday. I felt like I feel like I'm living, I feel like I'm living in a, a kind of posh hotel suite and I'm on holiday. I can't tell you the difference it's made to me. It's like I had I got diagnosed in 2014 with rheumatoid arthritis and I was in a really bad way. And as soon as I moved here in, yeah. in 2020, in January 2020, I stopped taking my medication. I, I mean, it was when I wasn't living with my husband anymore. Um, and lockdown happened and I've, I've, I've stopped taking my, my steroids. I stopped taking all my horrible injections and you know, toxic kind of horrible kind of, you know, injections that you have for, um, for cancer and things like that, cancer treatment. And I stopped all of that and I'm, I'm now in remission and my specialist said, well, isn't it amazing what, you know, divorce, <laughs> living, living the life that you want yeah. to live. And be and and shedding all of that weight of every all of that anxiety and all that stress does to you. And I'm just like I I feel like I'm 18 again. I mean I feel you know I've just had the most amazing relationship with somebody I've ever had in my life. Um, unfortunately, he's not here with me anymore, but he he may be back. I don't know. Who knows? Watch this space. Who knows what life? Who really? knows? Who knows? Mm. But you know mm. you know I just think well that was a golden key to making me feel you know to making me feel like an attractive desirable woman, which I've never really felt before. And, you know, and I just think life's there for the taking. And I think, you know, I really do think that, you know, being positive and and having something that, you know, you're so passionate about and you really believe in um, is, is so important, you know. And that's why I work with, with Coots, doing what I do with Coots as well, because that's that sort of started just before lockdown. And 
I'm their art advisor. And, you know, that was just a completely fluky, mad thing that happened. And, you know, and, and I, I look after their sort of educational, philanthropic um, stuff because I believe very strongly in art education. As I said, it, it's, for me, it's the key mm. to civilization and it's so important for everybody. It's such a good source of well-being. Um, so, you know, that's something which I'm very passionate about. So I think, um, I think that, yeah, it's all, you know, life's looking really good. You know, it's, it's, you know, I might be old, but inside, oh, you're I'm... not old for goodness <laughs> sake. Oh inside my goodness. I'm, inside I'm young and sprightly and I, you know, I, there's so much exciting stuff to happen. I've just written another story, another, another book. Um, I've got an amazing agent and, um, and you know, it's all going, it's all going full steam ahead, you know. It's wonderful. It's absolutely, it's such a joy to hear also in that it's so inspiring, Lisa, that someone has gone through so much in their life. And yet there is that thread that is continually there. You know, is it the fiber of our essence that keeps us, you know, that flame alive and pulling us through life to where we're supposed to be? Because there is that, as you talk, there is that really strong fire that's there that really comes across. Well, yeah, I mean, I think absolutely, I think that that's always been there. But unfortunately, I had a damp blanket put on it for a very long time. And, yeah. and I, as I said to you, when I was younger, I don't think I was really fully seen by the people that I should have probably been seen by, but I think that was probably part of the age and the time. And it, I don't, and again, I love my parents. I don't think that it was um, anything to do really with them. It was just their baggage that they had, you know? So, um, and I love my brother, you know, and my family and everything. But, um, but I think that, you know, I think as life goes on, I sort of thought to myself, well, actually I'm the only one that can make a difference here. And I've always been a very super positive person and, I let myself go in a way which is my own fault and I take full responsibility for it. Um, and, um, but I brought myself back and I brought myself back stronger because I've seen life through the eyes of somebody who was invisible, who was, who was that person that people poked fun at when I was, you know, really huge and in a wheelchair and, you know, people thought, oh, well, you know, she's just probably must be stupid and why she done that, you know, but I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very bright, very, vivacious very active person and um and i am that person fully now and and i think you know when things happen you realize that actually you do if you're lucky you have a second chance or a third chance like me but you really have to make it happen because no one's going to take out what's inside my head when i'm dead and i've got all this stuff that i need to write out and get out there and no one's going to be able to do that because i'll be gone so actually it's up to me to make sure it happens and so there's that kind of drive and motivation and you know and passion and and with my children you know my my children I always say to them you have to do what you're passionate about because otherwise your life will be like you know walking through setting concrete um mm. you know if you're passionate about what you do and you believe in what you do then your whole being will come through into that and you will be able to change the world. You know, being different, like my son, who, my eldest son, who's autistic, you know, he did, he's, he's such an amazing artist and he's just so cool now. You wouldn't even know that he'd had issues. And um, he's beautiful, he's done modeling, he's, you know, worked with Tim Walker, all sorts of people. And, you know, he's, he's, he's really successful. And you sort of think, well, 
it's the people who are really kind of obsessive and different that change the world. They're the ones that are really interesting and they're the ones to watch. You know, they're the ones to they're the ones to kind of nourish and nurture because you know, everybody else can be grey and do whatever they want. If that's what they want to do, they have a choice not to, but they can do that if they make that choice. But it is about making a choice. It's about, am I going to be sad or am I going to be happy? I'm going to be happy. I'm going to get on with it. I'm going to change my life and I'm going to make a difference. And that's kind of my attitude. And and I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I've been very, very fortunate in having had a very good education. I've been very fortunate in being born, you know, as a sort of, you know, into a middle class family and, you know, you know a white middle class family. My children are half Iranian. Um, both my sons are gay. Um, and I really stand for LGBTQ rights and all that stuff. And, you know, all the stuff, other stuff I do with Moo and things. I mean, it's all about bringing, you know, young visionaries to the fore, you know, um, ethnic minorities, women. I mean, I'm very, very kind of active in, in that on that side as well. So, it's not just all about beauty and sort of, you know, belle époque and beautiful quotes and things. It's also about it's also about empowering people to be who they are and to feel comfortable in their own skin. I think that's really kind of a massive mission of mine in life. You know, my books that I've written are about all are about that, really. And what are the titles of the books? Well, I don't have titles yet, but ah. one is no, because it's really difficult. So one is about um, one is about um, some curious creatures that come together after a huge storm and they're all made of different things like half fish, half wooden horse, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they all kind of give each other the gifts to get themselves to this other destination. And the other one is, is really a love story between um, between somebody who really doesn't feel that she fits in. It's basically my story who really doesn't feel like she fits in. And then this this kind of kind of being from another place comes and gives her the gift of self-love. And she she goes through her her life, you know, goes through her kind of, you know, the story um, coming to terms with that. So it's really that's a story really for young readers and, and adults. I mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Inspirational story. So um, so, no, I'm just you know, kind of trying to decide on titles They're kind of with my agent at the moment. We're sort of trying to work on that. But they're written. And um, so yeah, and they're ready. They're ready, yeah, they're ready. So they're they're yeah, they're ready. So they're going off to um to well we're just gonna he's gonna go off and do some pitching and things, so we'll see. So mm -hmm. those are all things that came out sort of through lockdown and um and also the big project of the Ravenous Butterflies book as well. So yeah. And Moo started, you know, the magazine started in lockdown as well. And we've just done a year of that. So that's been And what is that? Tell us about that, Lisa. What is Moo? Oh, Moo. Well, it is um it's my one of my best friends, a guy called Youth, who's Martin Glover, who's um, who's one of the dads at school. My children, they were at Steiner School, two of them, and um, and he's a musician and a music producer. So he's produced and worked with loads of people. He was in a band called he's still in a band called Killing Joke, but he's also um, produced Paul McCartney. He did all my kind of like the Verve and Dido and I don't know, just loads and loads and loads of people and. Um, he's very successful and he's a really good friend of mine he's kind of scooped me up through all of this really and has just you know the kids are best friends so we've always just gone and done stuff together mm. and he said oh let's start the we you know, let's let's during lockdown he was like no just before lockdown actually he said let's get the arts lab movement going again from the 60s and i was like what do you mean he said let's start an arts lab and i said okay so we started <laughs> south london arts lab which has now got i don't know 600 members or something and um, there's a lot of stuff that we did. We did two kind of lockdown festivals with that. Um, oh, he has a, a music festival in in Spain that his kind of he's got this kind of recording studio and estate in in southern 
Granada, in just south of Granada in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So I help him with that. I curate all the salon talks and have kind of supported him through that. Um, and then he said, let's do a magazine. This is after the lockdown success of our festivals during during the COVID thing. So we started this magazine called Moo. Um, we had Jarvis Cocker was on our front cover for the first one. Then we had um, Pam Hogg. And then we had um, Jimmy Courty from KLF, uh, who did the cover for our third one. It's quarterly. And then we've just had Lee Scratch Perry, who who's passed away on our last cover and it's just really and really very it's very opposite to ravenous butterflies in terms of its content but it's very mm -hmm. much the same ethos in terms of its you know let people be comfortable in their skins let get some really interesting brains and heads to talk about very kind of uh, philosophical topics we've got lots of music art literature poetry um we've got eco stuff we've got we've got food we've got um music and album reviews we've got book reviews we've got all sorts of things and sort of features so it's a really interesting magazine and it's it's kind of quite become quite cultish and quite collectible um and we've got some amazing people involved so it's really it's very cool so i'm very i'm editor i think i think you should be very proud of yourself i think oh what God. really my it's goodness mad. it's mad i mean it's a print magazine it comes out it's published every yeah quarter um we've been selling really well um you can find it online you can find it on facebook and instagram it's really it's beautiful quality lovely lovely paper very creative lots of amazing contributors i mean we've been so We've been so, so fortunate and having being very well connected, all of us, but having a lot of support from a lot of people. And it's just been it's just it's just brilliant. I mean, I'm really, really enjoying that. So, yeah, that's brilliant. And you mentioned love and beauty. Love and beauty. Yes. Yes. Tell me more about love <coughs> and how you rediscovered that love in your life well love is a very strange phenomenon um <laughs> i don't know i'm not still not really 100 sure what love is um i think about it quite a lot sometimes well not all the time but sometimes i think about it um i think that love is can be quite ephemeral and um but if you're looking at it as if I was going to sort of put it into a list of ingredients um, for the makeup of somebody, if you're going to make a cake of Lisa, for instance, or Mimi or whatever, mm. um, it is a massive part of that. It's going to be the, the flower consistency, <laughs> the flower <laughs> consistency <laughs> of the cake. Um, and, um, and it's really, really important. Otherwise, it would just be an omelette. Um, so, you know, well, that's true. Yes, absolutely. It has to be, has to be fully baked. So mm. I think love has to come. I think, you know, one has to really learn how to love oneself and to not be too hard on ourselves and to be to, to, to really just give ourselves a gentle hug every now and again, because I think it's really important to remember that. And this is a lesson that I've learned that actually, which is what I said earlier, you can't fix people and really you know love has to be fed as well you know you can't just give love you have to get love back it's like a petrol station in a car you know you can't just keep running and then run on empty and not have it filled up again you know we know mm. that the petrol strikes we've had but um but i would say that you know that's really really important and i think i've only really learned what love is this year i mean i i mean well no since i moved here so probably the beginning of last year i've learned that 
I have to love myself. And and I sort of kind of semi-blamed my children when my marriage was, you know, when I was unhappy and I, my marriage was, I knew that I had to do something about my marriage. And I wasn't happy in my marriage for a good two decades, really. I shouldn't, I should have really, you know, as I said, it was nothing really. I mean, my husband and I are just different people and my ex-husband and I are different people. And, um, and I think, you know, I should have been strong and, and done something, but I've got three wonderful children and I'm very proud of them. And that's kind of my my sort of the stuff that I got out of that and the lessons that I learned, which I've taken on board. And um, and I don't feel bitter. I feel very encouraged by the fact that I've learned a lot from my mistakes. And, um, and, and I think that love is, well, first of all, learning to love yourself, which is what I've sort of began to do when I moved here. And then realizing that when you have chemistry with somebody, when you meet somebody who it can happen out of the blue. I mean, I, I, I can, I, I remember, you know, I, I decided not to, to be with this wonderful chap, lovely man that I was with for a few years. And I, I, mean, I still absolutely adore him and I wish, wish him all the best. And I'm hoping that we're always going to be good friends, you know, and I work with his daughter, actually, she's one of the three of my team, including me, Amelia, who is, I've got Amelia and Amelia, and she is Amelia, and she's my creative kind of director, and she's amazing, and I love her, and her dad's wonderful, but he, we just, it just wasn't right, you know, so I had the courage to sort of, you know, well, we both decided it wasn't right, so we both decided really at the beginning of the year, and I had a few months of thinking, I really think I'm actually liking myself for the first time in my life, I'm really happy. I'm really enjoying being in lockdown and out of lockdown with my children around. I'm really enjoying my life. I'm really enjoying all of the things I'm doing and all of my projects. And I was feeling fantastic. And I was very happy on my own. And then boom, suddenly this chap turned up like a nuclear explosion. And, um, and it was amazing. And, and I really realized then, I think for the first time in my life, what, being in love and what love actually is. And it was really strange because I never thought I was capable of meeting somebody or being in a situation with somebody where I, that my feelings and my, the way I am could be reciprocated because I'm quite, I'm very deep, um, very deep thinker and, um, and I'm, and in that situation with him, I was in total deep peace and calm. And I never felt, I felt totally calm and happy and myself. And that's the first time in my life. And my children were just awestruck by it. I mean, because they were obviously around, he was around a lot. And um, and it was just incredible. And I And I think it was just an amazing experience to have that. And that was the first, and that was the first time. So that was, you know, that was the summer, this summer and, you know, early summer through to the autumn. And it was just the most amazing feeling. And I mean, whether I'll ever feel that again, I don't know whether I'll, whether that's just, like I said, the golden key to the future of being able to feel, mm. I'm able to love somebody and to feel that intensely and trusting in somebody I don't know, but it was a real revelation and it was kind of almost like an epiphany. It was just the weirdest thing. And it was at the most unexpected time when I really wasn't looking for anyone. I just thought, oh, I'm happy on my own. I can I've got all this amazing stuff going on. The children are really exciting. I've got all my friends. I'm having a really good time and, you know, and I'm very, very happy. And then suddenly that happened and uh, kind of, I don't know, prelude into the, the future, really. I think there's a lot of really very exciting things to come. And 
and I feel ready for it in the first time in my life, you know. And it's quite a moment, I suppose, when you realise that love is in abundance. It is like you have found this treasure yeah. that you didn't know existed, that you'd heard about it, and suddenly there you were. And what do you do with all this beautiful love? Well, that's why I wrote this story, this other story that I've just been writing about the probably me and this this being that comes and gives her the gift of self-love. And um, I think I turn it into something creative. I think I, I turn it into something which, even though it's not physically here at the moment with me, you know, he's not here in the room with me at the moment, It's a, that feeling is still with me and it's still around and it still has to come out. And I want other people to know what that feels like. And it's, I think one thing I've done throughout my life is I've always learned from my mistakes and I've tried to learn from other people's mistakes and not to blame people and not to hold any bitterness or grudges because I think that is that is the recipe for disaster. And I've watched that in people that I love who've held on to grudges and held on to, you know, gripes about people and blame everybody else. When actually you have to look at yourself and work things out and make a change in yourself, I think, and give them the give the people that have hurt you that that back you know it's not your it's not because of you it's their projection or it's their problem it's them you know just don't take on all of that badness you know and and I think with that feeling and sense of love that great sense of love which was very overwhelming for me because I've never experienced it um so late anyway um now at my age was amazing and um and I think that it's a very overwhelming thing and I think that it's really important that other people know that 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 can happen to them too and that like I said the key is self-love and then just you know the world's your oyster I mean you you know you you go around with this shining kind of gleaming glowing warmth magnet you know magnetism kind of like that exudes from you and it just attracts um others and obviously bad people as well probably but I mean, since that happened to me, I mean, I've been asked out on so many dates and things. I just don't even, I just like, you know, because I was just, you exude it, don't you? It's like, you, yeah. um, and it's just, it's a fantastic kind of, almost like an aura that you, that kind of wraps you up in this golden kind of warmth and beauty and, and people can feel that and they want that, you know, and, and I think it's just so good for your well-being and so good for your um, I don't know even if it's ego, but it's just so good for your soul. It's like it is really nourishing, and um, and it's really, it's really, it's really with with me still. And I and I think um, and I think it always, hopefully, will be. You know, and and that's really, um, you know, that that's better than any medicine or any anything that you know money can buy. I mean, it's just an amazing feeling to have that and to know that that's there and it's planted deep in me, and and I'm capable of so much more you know I suppose it takes time to nurture it as well I think it's like a beautiful flower you have to nurture it daily this love you, this you mean the love in yourself or the love yes in the person? Yeah, yeah the love in yourself I and of course with somebody else but ultimately I believe Lisa that within ourselves we have to nurture that once we have allowed ourselves to allow that love into our life and into our being in effect 
But that's not such an easy thing to do, is it? No, but I think, you know, I think it's really important to be very aware of um, our time on this earth and how important it is to be cognizant of that. Because if we don't nurture and look after ourselves and if we don't take time out for ourselves and connect with nature or connect with art or music, or whatever it is, um, or even if it's cooking or baking a cake, you know, whatever it is, um, then I think we can lose sight of who we are and of how wonderful we are as individual human beings, you know, and I'm not talking about narcissism or, you know, anything like that. I'm just talking about actually rejoicing in the beauty of who we are and being alive. And, um, and, you know, when you've had a lot of knocks in life or, you, you know, things haven't been easy and, you know, you've been told this or that, and, you know, you've believed it, um, I think it's very important to to sort of look and reflect on the positive and to use that as nourishment for yourself and for those around you because the better you are as a person as a mum as a lover as a as a woman in life whatever it is or a man um the more you're going to be able to give to everybody else and you know my my children just had never seen me as a happy full content 100% woman mum person until the last few months and they were just blown away by it and I think it's completely transformed the way that they they look at me and they see what I'm actually capable of as a happy contented fulfilled woman and mum mm. not just a mum but a person and they're very proud of all the things I'm doing as well I mean they they you know I've got this little online shop and they they use the, the, the tote bags to take their work to school or to college and things like that you know, and they've got the little phone cases and things. And and I think it's really good for them to see me not just as their mother, but as a as a sort of, you know, sexual being, as a woman, as somebody who has feelings and and who is capable of happiness and who can be with somebody wonderful. And, you know, they never saw that before. So I think it's been a very positive journey for them. And um, yeah, I think it's it's I think it is really important that you don't lose sight of 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 keeping that sort of fire stoked and keep keep it going and i think by doing the things that you love and by putting yourself in you know in beautiful places and um you know reading and looking at the art and reading the books and reading and and you know listening to the music and going out like i said into nature and reconnecting with yourself as a person um to the core um and just learning to love yourself be kind to yourself you know kindness is such a you can give kindness to yourself. Don't be so critical about things mm. which are, don't really actually matter. And who cares what people think, really, you know? True. It's, it's very, very true. Yeah, yeah. And what was the moment? This, this, is, this is my curious moment now. What was the moment for you? Was it like one of those divine, as you say, an epiphany moment of where suddenly you felt love for yourself? Or was it the arrival of this person into your life that opened that chasm, a fire within you? What is it? What was the pivotal point, Lisa, that suddenly you realised that you had love? I think it was acknowledging the things which I'd never really acknowledged about myself before. So... I think at the beginning of this year, sort of, you know, in the spring of this year, whatever, I 
after that whole lockdown thing and real you know you sort of put things into perspective and I'd had a chance to sort of um grieve my my best friend and all of that and um I realized that I ought to get on and get my skates on and do something important and people kept saying all these things on Facebook and Instagram and wherever it was you know about how much they loved what I was doing and I thought well they love what I'm doing and they I'm doing it out of love and where does that love come from and as soon as I was on my own for the first time in my life and I didn't have any partners or anybody to answer to mm. I started doing things my way and as I started doing that I sort of to big deep breaths of relief really it was like oh I can oh I can just breathe I can I can be me I can do what I want I'm with my kids with my my friends you know things were beginning to open up a bit and then they closed down and then they opened up but you know and there was and I just thought you know what if I don't actually start to really love myself and and be kind to myself then there's no hope for me in the future so it just was like a natural thing. I just, I suddenly just realized that being on my own made me re made me kind of come to terms with the fact that I didn't need anybody else and that I could do things pretty well on my own and that I was very capable and able. And I'd been doing that all my life really, but I'd been diluting myself with other people that kind mm. of needed me. And, and I think the dilution of the true me, the honest, the honest me, the true, true me, you know, the full, full on me was, was watering myself down. And when I then got all of that back into myself without having to worry about another person in my life or a needy man or this or that, um, I, I realized that actually I'm, I'm a stronger, more confident, comfortable person operating within my own kind of realm. And, um, and and just very happy very sociable very happy seeing my friends and having my kids and their friends around and and doing and family and doing all of that stuff without actually being told what to do by somebody else or you know why haven't you done it this way or blah blah, blah whatever it is that other people put demands on you and i just and i just and it was then when i just i found that kind of love for myself and and that was when i i just was sleeping really well at night for the first time in years and years and um and just and my dog i love my dog as well and and it was just you know it was just i love my dog because his name's cosmos and he cosmos he, what sort of a dog is he he's a cockapoo and now he cockapoo. is nearly 14 and he happened around the time of ravenous butterflies and um well actually about 2010 or whenever it was that he no before that it was the 2007 or 8 and it was about that time that i realized that I, I I needed to make a big change in my life, but um, and then it was two thousand and ten, eleven. But um, but no, I think um, I I I think just being not being diluted down by other people that wanted a piece of me and wanted something from me made me realize that all of that love that I was shelling out to everybody else should was really better spent on myself, if you like, and um, and that's what I did, and yeah, and and that's probably how I came to that realization. Um, and then once you start loving yourself, you just, you know, people, it just, you know, people just, people just see a more complete you, don't they? And it's quite an attractive thing, isn't it? I think. Um, it is for people that are on the same, I think, vibrational level. Yes. yes. Because you suddenly also, I don't know whether you found this Lisa, but yeah. once you start being on a certain level and that means only 
this is not in a condescending way, you know, higher, lower, but your own level, your own sort of where the frequency is, you know, operating. Those people that cannot stand that frequency for whatever reason, they're not ready or it sort of doesn't play in the same sort of symphony as theirs. They start to leave your life. And the people that are more connected to that music within us start to arrive. Absolutely. And I think that's exactly right. You've hit the nail on the head. And and I think youth, my my friend who's the music guy, um, well, he's a lot more than that, but you know, my really, really, really close friend, um, really saw that in me years and years and years ago and just kind of brought that out in me. And all the people I've met, either through him or through friends of friends or through all of the projects we've done together have all been so much more significant and on that vibrational level that you're talking about, which is so much more heightened than mm. just, and I'm not putting people down. I'm just, you know, than just, I'm just, I was, I, I live in, I live in Wimbledon and there are a lot of kind of yummy mummies here. And I can remember being quite a, a large voluptuous woman. I don't do things like, you know, fit club and, you know, I don't do all this kettlebells and, and running and triathlons. And I'm not, I don't do that. I do kind of art and nature and beauty and take my dog for a walk and enjoy the leaves and the flowers and, you know, the, you know, mm. you know, the seasons and things. And, and I think that, you know, I kind of left all of that behind because um, I, I found that being with creative people, being with people who are much more like me, who get me, I don't have to explain what that poem means, or I don't have to, you know, they can look at a painting and burst into tears as well. It's not, not just me, you know, um, yeah. And I think that that's so important for, for, for people, you know, us as humans to, to be able to resonate, like you said, on that vibrational level, whatever level it is, but you can hear the same music, you can smell the same smells, you don't, you don't have to explain, it's all just, it's just there. And I think that's, once you get to that, and I feel like I'm at that point now in my life, I mean, I work with, I've got this amazing Amelia, I've got these two Amelias, but this other Amelia with an E who is um, a fine art graduate and she was started as my um, intern and she's now working for me full time and she is just unbelievable and we don't even have we're both very different in what we're good at but we both we we, we both just we synchronize there's so much synchronicity and we're both completely on the same vibrational level you know and we're both mm. really conscientious really hard working and just really get each other and it just makes life so much easier and yeah. and it just means that you can everything's possible it's like everything is possible my ex-husband was always what's that about you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that and i'm kind of one of these people you can do that you can do that oh yeah i get that maybe that means that that's really interesting you know and i just think being around people who are who are more like that is where i am now and it's just it's just so amazing it's just an absolute revelation and i think finding your tribe which I kind of call it your tribe, you know, um, is so important. And you were talking earlier about um, when we had our chat about how talking and storytelling is really, you know, storytelling is the ancient kind of, you know, way that people communicated. And, and I think it is. And I think having your story and passing that story stick, you know, the the big stick to the next. Yeah. And having them open their hearts out and being able to be themselves truthfully themselves. That is, what life is all about and having those people around you and being in that 
same tribe with those people is the most exciting and rejoiceful thing of all. I mean, it is amazing and I, it's just wonderful, you know. It is. And having those people that, as you said, you don't have to explain yourself to. It's just a very easy dance of the souls. Absolutely. And there's nothing to explain because you're enjoying mm. that dance and you're already there. Yeah. So you're enjoying, you're already one, you're already one with that person. And that is so good. And, you know, and, and I think that um, it just brings you onto a much higher level and it's just, it, it, that's when serendipity happens and that's when things kind of start to fall into place and you think, well, that's weird. How come they knew that or that happened and that happened and that happened and it's all things kind of slot and everybody knows everybody else and it's just weird, you know, and, and I think it's all for a reason. And I think that it's because, because of the hard work and because of the, it's very karmic, isn't it as well, but it's very sort of, um, it's very reassuring that hopefully somewhere there's something good happening. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember I had, um, a school friend and I was very young at the time and we just begun school. She didn't, well, she wasn't really a school friend, but it was around that time. And mm. we used to adore Phoenixes and um, we were absolutely in love with having a Phoenix. And mm -hmm. we did little tours around the village looking for the Phoenix. And mm -hmm. somehow she convinced me when we spoke um, a while back that we did actually have a Phoenix. I'm not convinced of that, yeah, but she, <laughs> yes, she convinced me that we had it and we hid it in the cupboard and all of that. <laughs> but I'm going with that. Why not? Mm. And um, you don't have to explain. It's like, I don't have to explain that I had a phoenix, exactly. you know, um, it is exactly. just as exactly. it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's just exactly. this ease as well, Lisa, that you don't feel constricted in your spirit around no. people that don't understand. And that's fine because they're just not your people. They're somebody else's people. And that's absolutely fine because we need absolutely those people to exist. We, we need to exist. But as you said, that tribe is also on a much different level in the sense of we can communicate on different waves. Yeah, yeah, it's right. You're right. And I think it's... Um... I think there are tribes for everyone and I think that everybody hopefully hopefully feels the same about their tribe and they feel they belong and they feel the same as what we are talking about mm -hmm. um but yeah for me it was it was a massive um relief to find my tribe and to be a major part to be kind of like you know a big part of my tribe and I think my tribe being obviously a lot of those followers and ravenous butterflies they're part of my tribe there's lots of them um and and then but then all my very close friends and people that I meet. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you just, it's just so beautiful to have people like that in your life and, and, and to know that really anything's possible and that they've got your back and that they love you and that you love them. And, you know, that we can do anything, which is why these things have happened. All, all of these things have happened, like a bit like the Phoenix coming out of the flame, out of the ashes, you know, with, yes. Moo, with Moo and with South London Arts Lab and all of that stuff, you know, it's all happened because because of of you know recognition because of love because of belief in each other and because of creativity and it's you know it's really important you know and because of love i mean it's all about love it's all about love and i think that's ultimately 
the answer, the question, the everything, the, you know, the essence of why we are here. And when you spoke about, it was so simple, actually, but I will remember that when you said, well, it's a cake and it's the flour. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't have the flour, it would be an (laughs) omelette. And that is so simple, but it's the Mm -hmm. truth. And, And I wonder, I'm pretty convinced, I have to say that there are some people who are the flower in our lives and, you know, you know, chemically, uh, synergistically, when they arrive into our life, anything is possible. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, and, and I think that whether they are lovers or partners or soulmates or friends or business partners or just, you know, just really good people to have around, I think, you know, I think having those really amazing bags of flour in your life um makes, yes. makes such a difference because it's the essential ingredient to bringing everything and binding everything together and it's just like you know it what it's what makes our hearts rise it's what makes us be better people it's it's just you know and it and it opens us up to being well just being able to love more and the more you love and the more you're loved the more you can love and the more love there is it's sort of it's so it's so true isn't it you you know it's it's, that's the secret that's the secret I think that's the secret of life in that everybody and everything in existence wants to be loved I was looking at a robin the other day in the garden Lisa and I said look at you I said you're so beautiful and all of a sudden it was shy you know Mm. and I thought well the language of love everything in creation understands yeah yeah And was sort of shifting and looking down. And I thought, you heard me. And I turned around to walk away and it jumped on the tree next to me. And I thought, that's right, because it felt the love. Well, that vibration, like you said. Yes. You know. Can you imagine what's possible? You know, you with your projects and people with their lives and everything they're achieving, unless there is that deep sense of love we can't achieve anything. No, and I think that's why I was in the dark for sort of all those decades, really, because I didn't feel that. And I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, it's, not that I wasn't appreciated, but no, I just was kind of, it was very kind of humdrum and, and everything was very, you know, um, kind of cordial and convenient. And And that's not what life is. You know, life should be about love and passion and, and and you know finding that kind of synchronicity and that higher vibration and and i think yeah anything is possible and i think that everything is possible and i think that there's you know i've got so much more to give so much more love to give and so much more you know so much more growth that can happen you know i mean i've i've certainly only just begun my journey and and it's very very i think it's extremely exciting and um and who knows where it's going to go? But I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's, yeah, that little Robin. I think it's wonderful. I, yeah. I, I can feel your enthusiasm and this love that you have that is emanating, which is wonderful because not only does it fulfill your life, everyone that you come into contact with now is going to be touched by that beauty and love. Yeah, I mean, this is what this is what I I I I do believe that, and um, 
I mean, this is what happens with you know with ravenous and stuff and um and all the other things that we do. It's just it's it's fair. It's a very it's a very beautiful thing. I know that sounds a bit corny, but it's a very beautiful thing and and it does resonate and it is that vibration and it is really important. It's what the world needs because the world is in a pretty sorry state. Um, yeah. it, needs, it needs a lot of healing and it needs a lot of love from a lot of people um to make a change so you know that that is that's very 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 important you know it is the key definitely it is the key and you have the key and we all have the key that's what we have to realize just got to we put are, it in yeah. the door exactly we're all capable of it we're all capable mm -hmm. of making that change and making that change in ourselves and being that love and being that loving yourself i mean just making a change in your life, even however little it is, it's little steps, you know, tiny little steps that will get you all the way around the world, you know, little acorns come great oak trees or whatever. I think it's just really important to realize that it's not always achievable all at once, but if you make little changes and, yeah. and you're courageous and you follow your fire, you know, be courageous. I think that's, you know, just, you only live once, just make the most of it. You know, that's my, that's what I would say. And once is enough once is enough yeah <laughs> once is enough isn't oh, it yeah. if we're doing what we have been created and why we're here on this planet yeah once yeah. is more than enough yeah yeah and it's important to get it out of your brain because no one else is going to do it for you just get it out and onto paper just be creative yeah. just get that paintbrush out just get that pen out just dig a hole in the garden and start planting your bulbs whatever it is just yeah. do it. No one else is going to do it. You've only, you've only got yourself to depend on, you know? Absolutely. And leave a legacy of love. Exactly. Exactly. Write those letters to your, you know, to the people that you wish you told them that you loved them and all of that stuff before it's too late, you know? It's really very true. It's very, very, very true. What wise words, Lisa. Mm -hmm. And I am really delighted that you graced us today to be on the show because it's been fantastic and I have learned so much I have to say oh thank you so much it's been well it's been a lovely revelation and really lovely to meet you and lovely to talk to you and I hope I haven't rambled too much not at all not at all I mean you're such an interesting lady that I could ask you all sorts of things <laughs> you know I'm going to have a list and uh... you know ask you about things because there is so much there there are so many stories within you you know a story within a story within a story like Shahrazada in the thousand and one yeah. arabian yeah. nights yeah, you know exactly. there's there's so there's much lot. there yeah. there's a lot there and it's only just begun it's yeah. only just begun only just begun i think there might be a song in that i think there might be <laughs> <laughs> now lisa where can people find out more about all your wonderful things well, they can go to my website, which is www.ravenousbutterflies.com. Um, they can go to my Facebook page, which is Ravenous Butterflies, and Instagram, the same. Um, and they can go to Moo Magazine um, on Facebook and Instagram. And um, yeah, they can look me up on LinkedIn if they want to get to know me a bit more, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And I always ask my guests this. A couple of lines <laughs> of something that is... <coughs> Sorry, come on. Oh, Sorry. You know, I have to say to the listeners, <coughs> Lisa has been very brave because she has had a very bad cough. Yes. And you made it. Well, I'm sorry about that cough, but I've had this battling this chest infection cough for the last couple of weeks and it's been, yeah, I'm almost there. So, yeah. 
but you were very brave to come on today I have to say yeah really really and if it's not too taxing for you a couple of lines for people out there that are struggling at the moment or trying to find their reason for living in fact (coughs) yeah what would you say I would say always look on the bright side of life always be positive look to yourself because the answer is within you um like i said write it out write letters to yourself if you're upset or you're cross with somebody or cross with yourself write a letter to yourself and post it to yourself and read it in a couple of days time when it gets to you um and just believe in yourself and love yourself and do all the things that you want to do and be courageous and don't listen to the people that bring you down just listen to that voice inside your head which says that I am better than that. I am brilliant. I am wonderful. I am love. I love myself and I will overcome this and I will make a difference. Thank you. It's been really fun and I've really enjoyed it. And I hope that, you know, anybody can send me a message on any of my social media stuff and I will always reply. And um, yeah, I would say, you know, just be brave, be courageous, be yourself, love yourself and, and go for it really. Beautiful words for a beautiful lady. Thank, Thank you so much, Lisa. And please do so come much. again anytime. I will. I will. I will. It'd be lovely. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. And All good, right, then. Good Thank luck you. to everyone. Good luck to everyone out there and lots of love. Okay. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye. 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 Lisa Azami. What a beautiful soul. It is such an honour to share such beautiful stories with you all. And I am so delighted that you are there to hear the most amazing guests. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, look after yourselves and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.